Are you not a big fan of the Patriots because of their perfect quarterback? Perfect? What are you talking about? Meet Ace Davis, 2019's most outspoken Tom Brady hater. Well, have you seen this? A 10-year-old Lexington boy's football-related science project has gone viral. A third grader at Mill Creek Elementary hoped to scientifically prove that Patriots quarterback Tom Brady is, in fact, a cheater. This was obviously a reaction to the controversy from a few years earlier, where Tom was accused of having his game day footballs doctored. An allegation that led to a four-game suspension. The league is now investigating whether or not the Patriots intentionally deflated footballs during that title game win. But clearly that wasn't enough for Ace. Nobody likes Tom Brady except all the Patriot fans. And no matter what you think about Deflategate, as it notoriously came to be called, the hatred wasn't really about cheating. Trust me, it came long before that. You see, the Patriots had just gotten too damn good, so people wanted the team and its star quarterback to go down. I'm Gotham Chopra. From Religion of Sports and ESPN Plus, this is Man in the Arena, a 10-part companion podcast to the docuseries of the same name, looking at Tom Brady through the eyes of players and coaches, fans and haters, people whose dreams he's either ruined or made come true. And you'll also hear from me, someone who went from being Tom Brady's fan to Tom Brady's friend. Each episode looks at Tom's impact inside and outside the arena, using sports to explore bigger questions about the world and ourselves. Episode three, haters. Who are they? What makes them hate Brady so much? And why maybe a little bit of sports hate could actually be good for us? That's coming up after the break. Welcome back. Ace's hatred was vicious and unfounded, but he was admittedly the most adorable Brady hater. The other haters, and there were a lot of them, not so cute. Is there really anyone you'd rather see dropped in a vat of rendered bacon fat than Tom Brady? That's Tom on Jimmy Kimmel before the 2021 Super Bowl. His 10th, by the way, haters, reading mean tweets about himself. You, Tom Brady. I hope your dog eats chocolate and gets really sick and throws up on your sock. That's up. Yeah, that's pretty fucked up. But notice that none of this hate mentions cheating. Ask most Brady haters, and if they're being honest, I bet they'll tell you that they felt this way long before the alleged cheating. Deflategate just gave them something concrete to focus on, a place to channel all that ire. So if not in response to cheating, allegedly. Then when did Brady hate start and why? Let's jump back to the beginning of the end of the world's love affair with Tom Brady. The moment the Pats went from novelty to dynasty. New England is like the bank robber that, oh, you're just going to go get a drink of water for one minute and that safe is gone. (laughs) And the money's gone and you're gone and you don't know what's happened. They're unbelievable. It's 2004, Ace isn't even born yet, and the Pats have astonished everyone by winning the 2001 and 2003 Super Bowls. But even with two rings on their fingers, there's still some question of whether it's a fluke. 
But then the 2004 season comes and the Patriots are just ruining teams. Mistake-proof football by this football team. I've never seen a team like Absolutely. this. I think they literally are unbeatable. They just, they cover, <laughs> they rush, they tackle, they win. They ruin the Jets. They ruined the Bills. Would Cleveland be the fifth straight team they would flatten? In the playoffs, they ruined historic teams like the Steelers. They attack what Pittsburgh does best. And now they're approaching their third Super Bowl in five years, this time against the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, so the game is tied by the end of the third quarter before the Patriots score a quick 10 points in the fourth. Then... The Eagles answer with a 30-yard touchdown pass from Donovan McNabb with like two minutes to go. But the Eagles ultimately flub an onside kick attempt and fail to close the gap. The Patriots win by three. And give the Patriots credit. They know how to win. Well, we've got plenty more on the Patriots, plenty more on the Eagles. With their third Super Bowl win, the Patriots have cemented their dynasty. Pats fans love them. Love Tom. Everyone else hates them. And who better to take the brunt of their hatred than the handsome star quarterback, Tom Brady? After years of being the lovable losers, and I mean losing in catastrophic, tragic ways, the Patriots are now winners. And with the winning, lots of winning, comes the hatred. But did I ever look back at those endearingly lovable loser days? No fucking way. I finally had a taste of what it feels like to be a Yankees fan, a Cowboys fan. Everybody hates us. And it's great. I mean, awesome. People get really emotionally invested and they vicariously respond to the successes of the team that they like or the players that they like as if it was happening to them. Mark Sester is an associate professor of psychology at the University of Central Arkansas who studies human aggression. He's also become the de facto expert on Brady hatred after a local news station approached him to offer some scientific insight before the 2019 Super Bowl. Mark hails from way upstate New York, where most fans are either Giants or Bills fans, i.e. prime Brady hate territory. But I have no real animosity towards him. I'm not emotionally invested really in football. I don't have a favorite team, but I still root against him every time he plays. It's just, I can't help it. He really can't help it. It's a fundamental human desire to hate on the great. There's research in my field of social psychology that shows that people generally like people better when they appear to be exceptionally talented, but they like them better than that when they show some kind of a flaw. They've done like real simple things like just have people like dump a drink on their shirt or something after, you know, getting a bunch of questions right. I mean, I've seen Tom like, spills some smoothie here and there. I mean, rarely, but it's happened. Those flaws, they humanize people. They make them seem more approachable and a little bit less daunting. So when it comes to the greatest of all time, well, I guess there's a special place in hell for someone who dares to be so exceptional. Someone who's exceptionally talented, it's neat to watch those people and be around them, but they can be intimidating. They remind us of our own shortcomings that maybe we're not as good as we'd like to be. They want the underdog. They want the team that hasn't done it before to get up to the top of the mountain. And again, Brady has historically been standing in the way of all of that. America's collective love of the underdog is a big reason that so many people love to hate on Brady. Who is the ultimate top dog? But there's a case to be made that Tom Brady was once the underdog. Tall, skinny, slow, kind of oafish. 
But as the legend of Tom grows, any possibility of seeing him as the underdog at any point in his life gets totally erased. He's dominant, untouchable, thoroughly hateable. The guy keeps winning over and over again. All these good things are happening to them. And people sort of, they start kind of itching to see him taken down a peg. There's a scientific explanation for this. It's something called reactance. Yeah, reactance is a term for something that people kind of already intuitively understand, which is that when people feel compelled or forced to do something or think something, a natural reaction is to say, screw you, Um, I'm going to do exactly the opposite. So in sports media, I mean, really all media at this point, constantly fawns over Tom Brady's good looks, his gorgeous family, an exceptionally long and successful career, a lot of people are going to want to push back on that narrative. There's research where, you know, the stronger an admonition is on a sign when you tell people, when you kind of command people not to do something, you will actually get more of the behavior than if you didn't say anything at all. There's also an even simpler explanation which is that if you're one of the millions of fans who aren't Patriots fans, then you're sick of seeing Tom Brady beat your team. Jets, Bills, Dolphins, Broncos. So we made this music video that's called Fuck You, Tom Brady. Can I say that? Fuck you, Tom Brady. That's Chad Neen. He's a Denver Broncos fan and a video producer who made the song and music video Fuck You, Tom Brady. It went semi-viral when Peyton Manning's Broncos beat out the Pats and Tom Brady in the 2015 AFC Championship. To be honest, we're a bunch of jealous dicks who wish our lives amounted to 0.001% of his life. The song was a collaboration with fellow Broncos fan, YouTuber, and professional Brady hater, Brandon Perna. I spend an unhealthy amount of time hating Tom Brady. I mean, he started this hashtag FYTB, which stands for fuck you, Tom Brady. But I have an excuse. Uh, It's my job. We realized we both hated Tom Brady and said, cool, (laughs) let's make videos. (laughs) Fuck you, Tom Brady. Mark Sester says that social psychology research suggests that shared hatred can actually be a unifying force. A big part of our strength is in bonding with other people and, you know, forming up with groups and a part of our identity being wrapped up in these relatively tightly knit or sometimes more loosely knit uh, sets of people. And sports, again, gives us kind of a way to simulate that. We we wear red because we support this team. Those, Those jerks support that other team and they're wearing green. And, you know, this is my group and this is their group. And, and we're going to have just a play fight, essentially. And it is a way of identifying with a group and forming kind of a rivalry there. And that's something people are innately pretty inclined to do. Sports fandom is tapping into something ancient, mythic, primal. Hate serves an evolutionary purpose. People, we're very, very smart, but physically we're we're kind of squishy and we don't deal well with the elements and that sort of thing. And it gives us a safe and relatively low consequence way of, of simulating intergroup conflict and seeing who comes out ahead. Organized warfare was how we protected our society and provided safety and security for most of human history. So if teams are play armies and athletes the warriors, well then Tom Brady is kind of like the ultimate warrior. And depending on who you talk to, that perfection makes him beautifully godlike or it makes him a freakish robot. The Terminator. You just can't get rid of the guy. 
As for Brandon Perna, the YouTube guy, as far as he's concerned, it's definitely the latter. Tom Brady has brought on the hate himself by not only winning, but continuing to be an impossibly superior physical specimen. Like, if he would just retire, I wouldn't have to continue to hate him. He's had the longest career as a quarterback. He's always healthy, so he doesn't even get the benefit of, like, being injured and not being on the field for me to hate. I have to hate him every week during the football season because he continues to play well. And then they'll have a bad game, which makes the, the hate even more fun because everyone gets to say, oh, he's done, he's washed. And then two weeks later, he looks great again. So I blame him. Look, I know it's fun to watch someone rise to dominance, but when they just stay dominant game after game after game, where's the fun in that? Yeah, people really don't like that kind of that feeling of this is going to happen whether you like it or not. They want something novel. They want the underdog. I mean, look. I'm never going to root against Tom for the sake of a good game. But Mark Sester, the scientist, he says uncertainty is part of what keeps people watching. Tom Brady is an entertainer. He's not, you know, a politician or a leader. He's, he's there to give people a pleasant experience watching football. And when the same person wins over and over and over again, there, there becomes no novelty. It starts to feel inevitable. It starts to feel just overdetermined. I see some of that in the NBA, which I follow, where you get these super teams together and everyone's like, well, screw it, the championship's out of reach. There's no point in even watching. It's inevitable. As a lifelong diehard sports fan who has created a business about how sports are so much more than just a game, thinking about Brady as just an entertainer feels profoundly disrespectful. But look, I get it. Because, of course, I know there's some truth to it. There's nothing really at stake. I mean, from a purely commercial perspective, it's all a construct to sell tickets and make these athletes millions of dollars. If they lose, they're still technically winning. We all know this, but it doesn't make us feel any less invested. We buy into it because we thrive off the conflict. We need the antagonist, the villain in every great story, the bad guy we can hate. And there's no greater story than a sports game. Now, hate is a strong emotion. Rationally, we know we shouldn't really hate an athlete. We know it's too extreme an emotion for the situation, and yet we still do it. Here's Brandon and Chad again. Do hate players, not as people, but as what they represent on the, the field as uh, a way to channel your frustration in real life. So Tom Brady can be my enemy on while I'm entertaining myself with sports then it's okay because I'm not actually hating anybody in real life. I would agree with that. When Vaughn Miller sacked him in that AFC Championship game where the Broncos ended up winning Super Bowl 50, which was like the best feeling ever when we <laughs> beat them, because I just turn into like a caveman or something and like start yelling slurs I didn't even know I knew when I <laughs> see Tom Brady go down. Um, and that's very much to your point about like, you just feel good hating something sometimes. Mark Sester says scientific data generally backs up what Brandon and Chad are saying. There is emotional value in sports hate. Obviously, some people it can get out of hand, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to feel bad. So some people find reward in negative emotions. It's underrated that anger and hatred and the concept of a villain uh, is entertaining. People are entertained by anger. We don't think of it that way, but 
there's a reason why people keep coming back even when they have that response over and over again because it's there's arousal involved in it. there's excitement um you know it gets people engaged in something even if it's in a way that's pretty negative emotionally so we not only thrive off the act of hating we also appreciate the payoff when our subjects of hatred fall short the feeling bad makes the eventual happiness so much better I've talked to other sports fans about just trying not to be negative about sports and one of the things they say is that well I think that getting really upset makes it sweeter when things go really well and then I'm happier and these are largely Boston fans so that they had that same Red Sox mindset you know that all, all the suffering made you know 90 however many years that it took them to win a World Series it was far sweeter just from having suffered through all of the near misses before that um and it wouldn't have been the same if they hadn't felt that negativity Oh trust me, those losing years, I mean like half my life, those years really did suck. Sucked. But point taken. Feeling bad or mad can also serve another purpose. It can be an outlet. Making the videos like it does sort of soften the hatred. It's cathartic to like yeah. do something with these feelings that are just on your mind swirling around. You know, it's like journaling helps you get these feelings out and creating something is is the same way it just sort of like it releases the energy a little bit Brandon Pernod I mean he went one step further and took a baseball bat to a giant lego effigy of Tom Brady's head seriously there's video of it ooh i know i promised the destruction of the tom brady lego head this beautiful three-dimensional Tom Brady head for me to destroy for charity. The Brady destruction though was ironically a fundraiser, a rather successful one I should say. This last football season we raised over $12,000 for the Alzheimer's Association. I thought it was a, a good opportunity to take something like hatred for just you know a guy who probably doesn't deserve it and then do something good with it so if tom wins more super bowls and we never reconcile our differences i can at least say we used his head one time to make a positive difference in the world but here's my question we know that hate can serve a purpose emotionally socially evolutionarily but can the focus of our hate the villain be redeemed And if we don't have the villain, then what? Stick around. Okay, so before the break, I ask a question. Can the villain in our own personal story of sports fandom ever be redeemed? Ace Davis, the science fair kid, might be the perfect person to answer that question. Down downstairs where we are right now, which is kind of our man cave. When we spoke to him, he was 12. older, wiser than he was for the hate-fueled experiment from a couple years earlier. And at his house in Lexington, Kentucky, he's showing off a bunch of framed pictures on the wall. 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 12 all 13, 14, of the 15, same guy. 16, 17 18 19 20 of Tom Brady. 29 <laughs> Welcome to Ace's shrine to Tom Brady. 29 So what changed? Got breaking news coming into Sports Center this morning. Uh, Tom Brady said he was leaving New England after 20 years. A year after Ace's infamous science fair project, Tom Brady made the improbable move to Ace's number one team, the Tampa Bay Bucks. Barring anything unforeseen, is expected to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Now there is no. Wow, it's hype. It was like we just got Tom Brady and stuff like that. Yep. 
Now all the things Ace once hated about Tom Brady became all the things he loved. Like the jealousy just went away because now he's on our team and our, the swagger about him, it just felt very good. Same for Ace's dad. Ace inherited his Bucks fandom from his dad, Chris, who stuck by his team, which has the lowest winning percentage of any NFL franchise. After so many years of futility, you start, you, you get really kind of down and depressed, uh, always being the butt end of a joke. But when Brady joined the Bucks, all of Chris's former ill will was erased. Going from, you know, I hate Tom Brady, all that stuff like that, he will always have a place in this family now, you know, and be revered and, you know, uh, cherished as part of the Bucks family and part of our family. Chris bought the TB12 book, the foam rollers, the smoothies. I'm here in my TB12 shirt right now. I mean, all of it. It, it was just so surreal. You got 31 other teams, you know, that he could have went to, and he came to us. Hearing Chris Davis talk about it, it's almost like divine intervention. I'm very thankful, very grateful that it happened. To watch that run we had, that whirlwind of emotions. The suffering begat the supreme joy that is captured in this cell phone video of Ace and Chris celebrating Tom's latest Super Bowl win, the first for the Bucks in almost 20 years. Chris, overcome by emotions, has no words for his wife. He starts crying while his buddy gives him a hug. And those tears, they were absolutely real. And it gets me choked up, you know. Every time I watch it, it almost brings me to tears. It, it gets me a little misty-eyed right now. And to be able to share that, that moment with your son and ironically be rocking Brady jerseys at the same time. It's just, it, it, it's a real beautiful thing. Ace, on the other hand, is jumping up and down like a madman. Ace, how's it feel to win the Super Bowl? It feels good! Now the kid, who, when asked what he would say to Tom Brady if he ever met him, famously responded, Give me some of your money because you don't deserve it. Now he has something else he'd like to say to Tom Brady. All right, Ace, we got to give Tom a message, okay? Ace and Chris have now moved from the Brady Shrine to the backyard for one final act of contrition. I'm sorry, Tom Brady, and this is going to be my apology. Tom, thank you so much. We appreciate you. We're sorry. We love you. We would love to meet up in person, uh, squash this whole thing for once and for all, but this is our this is our olive branch right here for you. They're getting out the lighter fluid. Give me the gasoline. Ace is dousing his science fair poster that once condemned Brady as an overrated cheater and crybaby. Hope mama don't want to cook out tonight because we just used all our charcoal fluid. <laughs> I hope this works like I think it will. So Ace, light her up. She's cooking now. Yeah, burn. Oh, that 
I feel so relieved. <laughs> That's it, baby. Get that second one. So I know we're hardwired for conflict, but couldn't we rewire ourselves a little bit? I wonder if we could change our psychology to love perfection, to not want to hate on the great. I mean, here is Ace and his dad burning his science fair poster. They're repentant, ready to accept greatness, all greatness. Turn the page on that history of hatred and jealousy. Wait, 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 wait. Let's go back to those guys Chad and Brandon in Denver. Fuck you, Tom Brady. Have they also let go of the hate and embraced Tom's excellence? Yeah, I think uh, loving greatness in sports is a misconception. I think you can only truly love greatness when it's your guy on your team. Real fans, they'll never love any other player's greatness. They might respect it at points, but no, not in never. Never will I fully appreciate Tom Brady's career. It just can't happen. Fine. But what about Chad? At the time of this interview, he was expecting a baby. Did that mean he'd find a way to transcend his hatred? I would love to give the fairy tale ending that once this, once he retires and once my uh, son is born, that everything is, you know, just uh, roses after that. But wherever there's love, there's hate. You know, that's just how it's going to be. He's totally naming his kid, Tom. That's happening. Okay, but if hate is inevitable, even beneficial, then what will people like Brandon Perna do without Brady? When Tom Brady does retire, my question to myself is, who, who's the player who's going to take his place for me to channel my hatred? I've got to find something new to hate. <laughs> you need to fill that void. <laughs> Haters gonna hate, and maybe that's okay. Three, two, one, let's go. Next time, haters, you're not gonna like this. We're looking at perfection. What is perfect anyway? Does it really exist in sports or anywhere? Man in the Arena is a religion of sports production in partnership with ESPN Plus. I'm Gotham Chopra, the host and creator. Our senior producers are Isaac Kestenbaum and Josephine Holtzman of Future Projects. Our story editor is Michael Garofalo. Executive producers are Amit Sunkran and Adam Schlossman. Associate producers Iggy Monda and Megan Coyle. Fact-checking by Jane Ackerman. This episode was mixed by Merritt Jacob and for ESPN Plus, Brian Lockhart, Senior Vice President, Original Content and ESPN Films, Lindsay Ravenio, executive producer, ESPN Plus Originals. Tori Champagne, producer, ESPN Plus Originals. Julia Lowry Henderson, senior editorial producer. Riley Bloom, production assistant. Lastly, special thanks to Kyle Vass, to Jessica Popovac, Steve Nelson, Carly Peruccio, composer Michael Kramer, PRX, and an extra special thanks to Lex18 TV in Kentucky for letting us use those great clips of Ace Davis.